Alright, 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 people. Welcome to the Bizzlecast film commentary for Captain America, the first Avenger from 2011. 2011 was dropped along with Thor and Hulk and two Iron Man movies under their belts already leading up to the Avengers in 2012. This is a very flawed movie. And in fact, I did not see this movie until I saw The Winter Soldier in the theater numerous times. And after having seen The Avengers numerous times, I went back and watched this movie and really enjoyed it. But I never revisited it until now. This was a really fun commentary for me to do because there were a lot of big parts of the movie that I forgot about or didn't remember all the details. So it's kind of like watching it for the first time, but knowing so much more about Cap now after Winter Soldier and two Avengers movies and what we already know about Civil War and ultimately the impending release of Civil War is why I'm doing this. This podcast is being released on Monday, April 25th, 2016. It is about 10 days until the sort of unofficial Thursday release of Captain America Civil War, at which I will be 7.30 p.m. on Thursday, week and a half away. I cannot wait. But this movie sets up Chris Evans as a bona fide superstar and the coolest comic book character ever on screen. From my opinion, this was someone growing up who loved Iron Man and the X-Men. No interest in Cap, but Chris Evans' performance. But in this movie, Haley Atwell as agent Peggy Carter, who would go on to star in at least two seasons of her own series because of how popular she was following this and how amazingly she did and their chemistry and her just beautiful badassness. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Sebastian Stan, you know, as in all his movies, it seems like he has way more screen time until you watch it because of how you know emotionally affecting it is. And I forgot how early you know he started to go a little dark in this movie. And that'll be kind of the theme. And I'm just going to jump right in. Is that you know as I said in recent podcasts, everything runs through Cap. The Avengers movies, Cap's really still the star, or at least the leader. All the Cap movies are building the other movies. It's building Agents of Shield, Agent Carter on TV. The Netflix series of Daredevil and Jessica Jones and so forth are still, you know, mostly aligned, uh, you know, with Cap, I would say, way more than Iron Man or Thor or Hulk of sort of the big four of the Avengers in terms of their street-level combat and just, you know, how Cap is referenced and talked about and thought about in New York and, and, and modern America. Um, Tommy Lee Jones, Stanley Tucci, some great veteran performances rounded out. And by the time they start kicking ass in the second half of the movie, it starts looking a lot better. There's a $140 million budget in 2011. Not small, but not huge. And uh, the script uh, by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, I think I call him uh, Stephen Marcus. It's Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. They've now written all three Cat movies, including Civil War, which is about to be released and is already getting amazing advance reviews from this country and around the world. They've written all three Cat movies. This was directed by Joe Johnson, and considering this was the first you know, major Cat movie, pre-Avengers, did a great job with the budget and the time and, and the restraints that he had. And uh, I just can't say enough about where this franchise has gone. And I won't be able to watch any movie um, that Chris Evans is in involving Captain America. So get pumped up for Civil War. And it's time to launch into the movie. So 
you're going to want to, you know, cue it up to the beginning, zero hours, zero minutes, and zero seconds, put on the subtitles. I like some ambient sound. The Avengers movies, and definitely this one, uh, with a soundtrack by Alan Silvestri, who also did the Avengers soundtracks, um, you get a little ambient, you know, music and noise in the background, uh, you know, behind the podcast. So I will give you a minute to cue it up. So pause it here. And we're about to go into the countdown. All right, here we go. I'm going to count it from three to one. And when I say go, you're going to hit play. So three, two, one, play. All right, people. Welcome to the Bizzlecast commentary for Captain America, the first Avenger, the first Cap movie from 2011, the one that launched it all. If you listen to my recent commentary with uh, Matt Goisman, a.k.a. Goose, uh, we talked about the whole Cap franchise leading up to Civil War, which this should get released before. I'm recording this as of mid-April or so. I've only seen this movie once. I think it was immediately after seeing The Winter Soldier. So I saw The Winter Soldier and Avengers multiple times before seeing this. And uh, I haven't revisited it because it just doesn't feel like the cap that I know and love because it's the origin story. And as I've commented on Bizzlecast before, I don't always love origin stories. But specifically, I don't find them nearly as rewatchable. Even the original Avengers, which is probably still the best comic book movie ever made, I end up watching Ultron more. Just go, you know, just get into the adventures with your favorite characters in weird situations. But... This this story is so overtly a movie-long origin story uh, that it's quite endearing, um, actually. And, in fact, I'm very excited to rewatch this with you guys because it informs Captain America's character in a way that, even if you've never seen this movie or know what goes on or Captain America's origin story, you still love him. That's how incredible Chris Evans has been, is that this movie is not irrelevant, but obsolete in a way. You don't need this at all to enjoy the Avengers movies, Cap Winter Soldier, and soon to be Cap Civil War. Um, as I've stated in past podcasts, and just a quick nod back uh, to my buddy Matt G, Maddie G, um, you know, we we talked about uh, this movie uh, quite a bit, and it made me want to go back to it. Um, with period pieces, it's tough with me. You spend so much time trying to get the, you know, cars and buildings and newspapers and everything to look like the right period. It takes a lot of effort. <laughs> It took me a while to get behind X-Men First Class and even a little bit X-Men Days of Future Past uh, because of the period piece element. But the bottom line is, if it's a period piece and you're not thinking about it constantly, that means they're doing their job and you can just enjoy the story. I have no recollection of this. There's going to be a lot of oohs and ahs and, and, and unexpected laughs and so forth. Uh, because I, I only saw this once, but there's no better excuse than Caps of War, which I cannot wait for. I'm probably going to release this and then re-release my Winter Soldier commentary, which I did <laughs> like six to eight months ago, uh, and which has done really well. Um, and then we'll do a, a Cap 3 Civil War uh, follow-up. 
but guys in masks and snow at night with flashlights usually doesn't end well for anybody. <laughs> um, I don't go by Rotten Tomatoes in like a religious sense, but they do have very nicely condensed. Uh, in oh oh, they start in the future where they see Cap and Ice. That's so cool. Boom. Oh, man. Back to Norway, 1942. Yeah, I'm already loving this more than I remember. Um, but Rotten Tomatoes calls this a solidly old-fashioned blockbuster entertainment. And indeed it is. But once you learn about Cap, this is one of those retroactive, um, retrospective things that I, I used to talk about I want to bring back in, which is that this movie is made better by all the great Cap stuff in Avengers and Cap movies following this. So, you know, the last thing you'd ever expect to find in a Captain America movie, especially during World War II, is sort of mystical, magical... Uh, you know, extraterrestrial kind of elements, but they introduced the vibe right in the beginning. Look at this car. Oh, Hydra. Okay. So, in my podcast with Matt, po- Bizzlecast 45 are getting psyched up for Captain America the Civil... Um, I'm sorry, Captain America Civil War. I-, I talk about how, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wouldn't exist without Captain America. And specifically this movie and Winter Soldier and the introduction of Hydra. I mean, they base an entire show with a great cast and a pretty significant budget on Hydra. And where they've taken Hydra is actually way more interesting than the movies. Um, but they just have to string it out for so long. Okay, I, is that Hugo waving here? This guy's the Red Skull. I'm uh, I, I, uh, I'm always grateful that Hugo even got to be Elrond in Lord of the Rings for a while. Elrond is a dark character in the movies for sure, and also hinted at in the books for an elf. His soul is is pure good and pure light, and uh, it says something about an actor when you're so well known for being one of the best bad guys ever in Agent Smith and The Matrix. And very shortly thereafter, I think two years after the first Matrix and Fellowship of the Ring, can be a really convincing and appealing good guy. Okay, here's the cube. I don't know how this turns into the Tesseract. Okay, he says the Tesseract. The jewel of Odin's treasure room. So they're connecting Thor. They're connecting the cosmic. This is amazing. We're six minutes plus in. We haven't... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the fake. Yeah, he knew that was the fake cube. We haven't even seen Captain America yet, and they're selling the whole cosmic storyline. It took huge balls by Marvel, especially with Iron Man 1 being mostly an isolated storyline, even though they kind of teased S.H.I.E.L.D. And Iron Man 2 is best known for its few S.H.I.E.L.D. scenes, which tells you how subpar Iron Man 2 was to do these really experimental, from a Hollywood standpoint, movies with Thor uh, one, which also came out in 2011, I think after this, eh, maybe before this, I don't know. And Captain America won the first Avenger. There's the tree, Yggdrasil. It's all Nordic. The, uh, the, they totally did not have to connect Cap and Thor, but they do. And, uh... uh 
Usually they use other people's hands to do those insert shots, but when there's drama around the hand, as we just saw, his hesitancy and then his decisiveness, uh, that's probably the actor. Is this the Tesseract? So, you know, the Infinity Stones is something that I both love and have been bitching and complaining about since the beginning of the puzzle cast. Luckily, I think we only deal with it in the beginning and the end. He still sounds English, not German. Not for the eyes of ordinary men. <laughs> Open fire. So you gotta set up the big baddie. And he is... <laughs> a Nazi, but actually worse. You know, Hydra... is There it is, there's the Hydra skeleton uh, octopus tentacles thing and what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does brilliantly without spoiling too much is make that image a reality on an alien planet in a way you're not expecting that's actually really cool okay so (sighs) this was part of the movie that not kept me from watching it again but made me unsure that I could do the commentary because this Chris Evans, while it's clearly his voice, just looks completely different. And it's not just a Hobbit shrinking. Because in The Hobbit, Hobbits are actually kind of chubby. So even though you're making them small, or I should say Lord of the Rings, even though you're making Frodo and Sam and, and Mary and Pippin and so forth small, uh, with green screens that, as compared to the you know other races, other characters, he just got an F. There's the Nazi flag. Um, you know, you just shrunk them. But this, you had to make him really, really skinny and gaunt. Both because that's his physique. I mean, look at this, sitting there. I have no idea how they did that. They claim that that's Chris Evans's face. And... <laughs> Show some respect. Uh, here we go. The bullies. He hates bullies. This is a propaganda film. This is a big part of World War II. And is the key example of how the original propaganda films were actually the most helpful, or at least least, least destructive. Oh, here he goes. Bully. Boom. Um, is, that, is that Todd, or what's his name, from Breaking Bad? <laughs> um... We needed to mobilize the World War II. Everything since then has been bullshit propaganda. Communist, Vietnam, Iraq, Iran, etc. Four punches. That takes a lot of guts. They're not in a rush. Oh, here's Bucky. Uh, Okay. There was a lot of reasons I want to come back to this movie. One, it's to try and figure out how they get Chris Evans to look like that. Two... Bucky's amazing, has been three completely different characters in three movies. It's illegal to lie in the enlistment form. A jersey. (laughs) Seriously, jersey? (laughs) 107th. Bucky Barnes. God bless him. 
I mean, this is it. This entire movie and the entire Winter Soldier and the entire... Oh, they're buddies already. I forgot that. And the entire Civil War, Cap 3, which is about to come out. He tears it up. Um, ooh, World Exposition. is about Bucky. Is about his feelings for Bucky. As he says in The Winter Soldier, in one of many understated lines that just hits you right in the heart center, he said, even when I had nothing, I had Bucky. No woman or man or friend or, or associate could ever, ever earn his love the way he loves Bucky. So, this had a very similar budget um, to Thor, which came out in 2011. But because Thor had so many special effects that it had to do, or felt like it had so many special effects... Um, that it had to do, that the money here is actually way better spent because they can go full-on practical World War II. Wait, is this Howard Stark? No, this can't be Howard Stark. Is this Howard Stark? It looks like the guy who plays Howard Stark. Oh. Hovercraft in 1943? Yeah, that's Howard. It's great. It's totally what Tony Stark would be like in 43. I can't believe they're showing off this technology. And so it takes 70 years, essentially, for this to become a reality with Iron Man. (laughs) It's going to drop. Yeah. (laughs) I think this is a nod slash mirror to, uh, you know... Tony's early experimentations with the Mark II um, Iron Man suit once he gets out of Afghanistan and starts trying to really build a flying suit, you know, crashing and falling down and so forth. Here's recruitment. The thing is, you can make cheesy sets because it just reminds you of the period. Again, ways to not have to waste any money. He doesn't even fit in the guy's helmet. (laughs) Double date. Oh, here it is, Bucky. I'm really excited for this actually now that I'm watching this. I love this relationship. Even though he just punched Cap's face in it in the second one, but ultimately recognized him. It's war, right? It's not a back alley. I'm not going to send a factory. And this is it. And I talk about this all the time. And so if you're listening to this, I think you probably listen to other Bizzlecasts where I say, Captain America is the epitome of the natural leader. He's not there yet, but you can already see signs. He is moral and good, truly good, down to his soul. As, as puny as he is, it's probably informed by being puny. In fact, it is informed by being puny. Don't do anything stupid till I get back. And so when you make him big and strong and good-looking, he doesn't have the personality of someone who's lived their whole life big and strong and good-looking. And that's saying something about strength and attractiveness uh, you know, that, that no one really comments about. But, yeah, you, know, you either get it or you don't. <laughs> Bucky, Bucky can be so cocky. I love it. I can't wait for... We're at least going to get signs and signals of the old Bucky Barnes uh, with the Winter Soldier being rehabilitated in Civil War, I think. So this is one of the scientists here. I can't exactly remember his name. So 
Thor had a $150 million production budget and made about $450 worldwide. This movie had a $140 million production budget, basically the same, and made $370 worldwide, which is a big difference. Now, Captain America the Winter Soldier, and I should say, of that 370 for the first Avenger, almost half was domestic. But as I've talked about, around 2011, 2012, it flipped, where it's two-thirds abroad if it's a good, well-distributed movie, one-third here. And in fact, Captain America the Winter Soldier, three years later, with the post-Avengers bump, um... In 2014, made 714 worldwide, including f- over 450 abroad, 64%. So they basically doubled their money, had a much larger share abroad, um, on a budget of 170 million, which is only 30 more than this movie. So how you do the Witter Soldier, which is arguably the greatest non-Avengers. Uh, comic book movie ever, and some people would say even include the Avengers, the best comic book movie ever, with CGI helicarriers and tons of practical, huge scale fighting on the streets. To this movie, with thirty million with inflation means almost the same budget. I don't know how the Russos did it, and that's why they're doing Civil War, and that's why they are doing the Infinity War movies. Here it is. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. There was a great article recently about Captain America as sort of a new masculinity, where you can still be tough and masculine, but sensitive to other people, and you know, finding bullies and other just bad or distasteful people, you know, just kind of below you, and hoping for a world where where people can just kind of be honest with each other, male, female, or otherwise. It's a uh, you know, it's amazing that it takes, it takes a, a scrawny kid who gets a super serum in World War II to bring us that message. But that is Chris Evans. That is why we love him. I still can't tell where the CGI is. I've gone out of my way not to research this, actually. Uh, um, and part of my worry about rewatching this movie was thinking that it would look corny, but it looks totally seamless. Do you, do you totally think that that is Chris Evans? Okay, here's Zola. We see the computerized, hydraized version of him in the Winter Soldier. Okay, so the... Uh, Hugo Weaving is an Aussie or New Zealander, I believe. His German accent's not so good, but... Up oh, here it is. It still looks smaller than the Tesseract. I should do a whole podcast on the Infinity Jabs in the movies. In the books, I, it would take me forever to research it, but it's, even in the movies, it's it's not totally clear what's going on. I think we're going to see Infinity Gems in two of the three following movies, Thor Ragnarok in 2017, and then Black Panther and Captain Marvel, those two in 2018. We still need the orange gem and the green gem, so it has to be there. So this is Zola, who, after the Red Skull is defeated and the war is apparently over, and Hydra defeated, is actually developing an algorithm 
behind the scenes for which to kill millions of people to save billions, according to them, which is a distilled uh, modernist version of the Nazi uh, dream. Yeah, they make him just seem like Igor here, but he ends up being uh, scarier than the Red Skull, not from an aesthetic standpoint or presence standpoint, but because his algorithm is actually way more disturbing and advanced than what uh, the Red Skull here in non-Red Skull form is trying to do. This will change the war. Yeah, it's a lot of mustache twirling in this. You know, Alexander Pierce, Robert Redford, you know, he he, he played it so great. Um, the understated uh, performance of Redford in The Winter Soldier. Oh, man, here we go. Um, it, R- R- Redford really stepped it up by stepping it down, if that makes sense. U.S. Army. Right, so he he's making uh, anti-American... Uh, Claims of her, but it's really sexist. We gonna wrestle? <laughs> She's gonna kick his ass. I hope. Oh yeah! Boom! <laughs> I honestly didn't remember that, but that's Peggy Carter, Haley Atwell, one of the all stars, all 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 stars on Team Marvel, no doubt. She's appeared in so many different movies and television shows in so many ways. She's beautiful. She's tough. In real life, she's like this, not being super militant, but just being really confident and funny and engaging and charismatic and confident woman. And boy, does that come out with Haley Atwell in this movie. Here's Tommy Lee Jones, who is kind of a caricature at this point, but when you put him with this color filter and have him underact a little bit in a good way, or I should say not overact, which Tommy Lee Jones can do occasionally with his (laughs) crazy accent, uh... You don't really even notice that it's Tommy Lee Jones, which is great. That's the best compliment you can pay to an actor is that you lose yourself in their performance. Super Soldier. Right. So, okay. So I'll have to re-explore how Steve ends up with the Super Soldier syrup. (laughs) They'll personally escort Adolf Hitler to the gates of hell. Oh man, as as Mandy G, aka Goose, my uh, my sidekick of the Bizzle cast, you know, he loves anything where Nazis are getting killed in an artistic and exciting way. I can't blame him. And gets a ride back with Agent Carter. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're sexist towards her, but now they're acting like a bunch of apes to to ride with her for five minutes. <laughs> So we're a little over 22 minutes, and we got the army training going. I mean, it's it's the origin story. But the thing is, despite my complaints about the origin stories, and Steve, of course, won't be able to do this. Or maybe he will. Oh, he's smart. That's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> that was totally a cut there on film, but that's okay. It's a great concept. Yep, Haley Atwell's impressed. Man, does she look young in 2011. I think she looks better now, honestly. In in her, like, 20s or whatever she is. Oh, God, she's gorgeous. But she's one of those gorgeous, you know, she's very pretty and sexy, but you add her personality and her intelligence and her intellect. I don't know, 
they're considering Rodgers. He's the clear choice. A 90-pound asthmatic out to my RB base. Yeah. This guy really believes in him. This is Erskine, I believe is his name. Who's the one that believes in Cap and gives him the serum, ultimately? <laughs> so there's definitely someone's body doing some of what the little uh, Chris Evans is doing, but it looks totally seamless. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones wants to pick the guy who seems like the super soldier from a physical perspective, but what he doesn't realize is the serum is going to make him a super soldier no matter what, so you might as well give it to the guy with the best heart. Oh, he's going to jump on the grenade. No, Steve's going to jump on it. Oh. Oh, my God. Chris Evans is such a brilliant actor. I can't believe he's doing this in the first movie in a body that's not even his own. He definitely had to lose weight, like a lot of weight, to do these scenes. So that could have been first or last. <laughs> is this a test? <laughs> he's still skinny. Yeah, I like how it's not by default. I like that the scientist specifically chooses him after observing him. It's not like, well, everyone else is dead, so it's got to be you. Nope, we picked you. I think that was important, that some people have the idealism that Captain America will have very shortly and will definitely have once he enters uh, enters the Avengers universe. Um, why me? Okay, let's watch this scene. It's the only question that matters. So he's German. I guess they felt it was important to have a German or an Austrian or whatever. Right. Yes, yeah, it's Austrian. Um, it's important to have someone from the Axis countries be on the good side, which is true. I mean, Einstein's from Germany. Our, pretty much our entire squad that invented the nuclear bomb were Jewish German scientists who fled because of the war and help us, you know, helped us w- win the war, depending on your definition of win. I'm not interested. Oh, they're talking Hydra. Uh-huh. And turn up a little bit. Oh, Johann Schmidt. That's the Red Skull, yeah. Yeah, here's the propaganda film version of Johann Schmidt. But it's true. The Nazis were tied up in a weird old form of German mysticism, which makes it both more interesting and more scary. The Merovingians, if you look them up, if you've seen The Matrix Reloaded, the Merovingian, you know, it's named after the Merovingians. You know, they traced our line back to Atlantis, which is a mythical island, which probably never existed, you know, going through the Romans and the Greeks and beyond. Um, the Germans have always held a very uh, high, um, they've held themselves in very high esteem over the years, as have most places, but the Germans are prepared to follow through with that regardless of the consequences. And they seem to be in the right path today. I hope that's the case. Right, but more important than man, the serum amplifies everything so good becomes great, bad becomes worse. That's the thing. There's nothing bad about about uh, Steve Rogers here except for his physical weakness. 
Right, a strong man who has known power all his life may lose respect for that power, but a weak man knows the value of strength. That's it. Yep. Compassion. Yeah. Cap's best trait, and that's what's going to get him through Civil War, is compassion. With both his buddies, his estranged buddies, and the people of the world. It seems like Erskine's going to die. I don't remember that specifically, but you watch enough Hollywood movies, you kind of pick up on them. Right, not a perfect soldier, but a good man. Yep, and Cap will never forget that. To the little guys. The filming of this movie, it's not that it's amateurish, it's a little by the book. In terms of camera angles and just the way they set up the sets that are so clearly sets. Um, but they have enough stuff like this. We kind of stay with it. Actually, I never really realized this, probably because I've only seen this once, maybe twice, is that the aesthetic of the first Cat movie here, the first Avenger, is actually the aesthetic of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And also, I think, Agent Carter. So, you know, as Matt and I talked about, Missile Cast 45, the Cap Civil War preview, everything goes through Cap. Everything. The TV shows go through Cap. The movies go through Cap. Even the Netflix series, you have more Cap references and imagery than uh, the other Avengers. Doesn't hurt that he's from Brooklyn. So they know about the serum, you know, they make Zola a little, you know, overly deferential in this, uh, in this situation, but with, with the Red Skull, it can, it's understandable. As soon as the Red Skull's dead and Zola's in control, you know, he, uh, you know, meets the same level of megalomania. What do you think? So the thing you have to realize about this movie is, from a filmic standpoint, there's really nothing super impressive going on. But once you get to know these characters in later movies and come back, it's almost like, you know, it reminds me a little bit of the Battlestar Galactica TV movie uh, miniseries before they decide to launch the series. Even though that was both on television, the jump in quality to the actual series was high. Okay, so this is a green screen right here. In the car. Or he's sitting well behind her. We see this with Frodo and Gandalf in the car at the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring. The way you position them and the way you move the angle of the seat, you can create all sorts of optical illusions. But I think this is a green screen. Right, so... A dame. You have no idea how to talk to a woman, do you? (laughs) It's the longest conversation I've had. Yeah, you must have danced. Mm. I had to wait. The right partner. Yeah, Peggy's so condescending towards him, but not in a negative way, you know. I mean, she is such a tough, strong badass... She just pities this kid and feels a little affection for him. 
And so the question is, when he gets super big and muscular and all of a sudden she's into him, I think that's a comment about our society. You know? Or maybe just a comment about humanity. Is that she can't possibly imagine herself sexually with this tiny little dude, but once he becomes Captain America, but he's the same guy, it's like, oh, hey, oh. Wonderful weather. Oops, secret talk. I love that she's British. I love that the Brits are on top of everything and they're helping to train the whole situation. That's great. That's one of the cool things about World War II. U.S. brought the muscle. We brought the power and the money and the strength. But the Brits were, you know, <laughs> engaged already for years before we decided to join. And so their intelligence was extremely important. I mean, right here, this could be from Agent Carter, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They filmed this the exact same way. I like the pulpiness, you know? It, it totally works in this genre, and the fact that The Winter Soldier is like the anti-pulpy comic book movie, it, but still is of a piece. Whoop, Peggy Carter. She's uncomfortable. Yeah, she's really young here. This is crazy. So this is... it's t Okay, so it's April 2016 now. This came out in 2011, which means they filmed this probably early 2010, so that's six years ago. She's got the 40s hair, which is great. Here's the experiment. Here it is. Here's the experimentation. Here's the whole thing. So the backroom military stuff, it, it's really only important in two ways. One, the obvious way, how it affects the plot of this movie. But more so to prepare us for what was going to come in The Winter Soldier and the distrust of the military. And, you know, representing America as Captain America, but not necessarily the American government or American military. You know, they're still exploring in S.H.I.E.L.D. in 2016 who is with us and who is with HYDRA. Um, so for an origin story, this had to set up way more than just the origin. You save me any of that schnapps. <laughs> Erskine's a little bit of an alcoholic that's great I totally forgot Stark was here during it I knew Haley Atwell was here during it as Peggy Carter oh my god and he's gonna fall in love with her granddaughter Sharon Carter in the modern day who looks totally different um, but shares the same ideals and has an inner toughness uh but still having a heart. <laughs> oh, there's a microphone during this? Right, this is how experiments used to be done. There would be observers, they would announce the whole thing. I think this is just an exposition uh, element, that's why. You're right, this is the best time to introduce it. The serum infusion will cause immediate cellular change, etc., yeah. Vitarays. Where did they even come up with this? So this is the, the prototype of the Bucky mind wipe machine, which you see in the Winter Soldier. Another thing which looked, you know, ahead of its time, even in 2014 when we saw it. And the Germans were doing the same exact thing as this. 
And if you think that the U.S. and our allies were the good guys, and the Germans and the Japanese and the Axis were the bad guys, then this seems like a smart move. And when the Germans did it, it just seems barbaric. Boom. Now Mr. Stark. Yeah, to have some huge CEO of a corporation. Whatever, why not? Okay, so here it is. This is the transformation. They put him in a cocoon. This is the best way to do it. We don't have to actually see the morph. I'm not sure, even with a $140 million budget, why they couldn't afford a, a morphing, uh, <laughs> you know, a CGI trick here. But, you know, this is what you want. I mean, this is the thing, and this is what's so brilliant about Marvel. You look at the first Thor movie, not everyone loves it. I personally love it, but it gets great when it comes down to Earth, when he's on Earth. It's about 30 minutes in. Here we are with Cap 1, the first Avenger, Captain America. We're about 35, 36 minutes in, and we've now established the main part of the plot going forward and the character. Uh-oh, Haley Atwell is disturbed. You gotta make it painful. You have to. And and that's what's great about both Captain America and the Wolverine is that even though Logan and uh and Steve Rogers uh can heal from most wounds, it doesn't make it less painful. When you get shot, it still hurts like a motherfucker. Right, this is the count up to a hundred percent. We're at hundred percent. They even have the red marks on the dial. Yeah. Yeah, this is very cheesy. It is. It is. It's very cheesy. I could care less because of the character actors that they got going on, but, you know. I don't know how the Russos made the Winter Soldier on this budget. Oh, there he is. Steve Rogers, somehow wearing pants, but being completely shirtless. Look at those packs. Oh, my God. If I'm Chris Evans and I'm watching the first screening or any screening of this movie, you can't wait to get to the 37-minute mark. <laughs> oh, someone left something. And this is it. This is Chris Evans. This is Chris Evans. 37 and a half minutes in. Haley Atwell is breathing hard. She's all of a sudden attracted to this guy because he's not only a good guy, but he's hot. <laughs> She's trying to touch him, not touch him. You look taller. <laughs> How do you like Brooklyn now, Senator? That was great. Yeah, Brooklyn's own. Brooklyn's finest. That's awesome. Yeah, more mustache twirling. Honestly, this whole movie is filmed like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And honestly, it's kind of giving me a new... Uh, uh-oh, right, Erskine dies, as I predicted earlier, and I didn't remember it specifically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Peggy Carter killing people. <laughs> um, it's given me a new appreciation for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter. Yeah, he's touching his packs. He's like, I did good, I did good. Uh-oh. Yeah, this is like in the in Winter Soldier. Agent 13 kicks down the door. Nick Fury's been shot. 
a cab just goes in pursuit, and the music goes all crazy, and he starts jumping through windows, through buildings, going after the Winter Soldier. It's awesome. Yeah, I think that's the thing that kept me away from this movie, honestly, was just, I just always would rather watch Winter Soldier. Boom. That was a nice practical explosion. God, Haley Atwell. She's really my perfect girl, honestly. <laughs> you know, I talk about Scarlett and Zoe Saldana and Elizabeth Olsen and so forth. Yada, yada, yada. Natalie Portman. But Haley Atwell is such a badass. Look at this. She's staring this guy down. And, <laughs> and Steve has to save her. She was going to die. I had him. Oh, <laughs> uh, here we go. Yeah, I think this is all a giant set they built uh, with the 1940s look. Yeah, got a little Flash going on here. I've been getting into Flash on CW recently based on Maddie G, a.k.a. Goose's uh, recommendation. It's super pulpy, but the relationships are amazing. It is a great cast. And, and that's really the case with this movie. It's very pulpy, but it's a great cast. Boom, he just jumped over the fence. We're seeing the full display without having to go to war. This is great storytelling right here. Marcus and McFeely have written all three cat movies. They did a great job here. They did an all-time great job with The Winter Soldier. And from everything I've heard from people I trust, a civil war is going to be more of the same in the best way possible. Oh, he jumps on the taxi cab. Boom. <laughs> this is tight. Yeah, it's a great screen there. <laughs> It's a thing. Uh, Thor 1 and Cap 1 in 2011 were still a little rough around the edges. Joss Whedon took it to such a higher level. Doesn't get enough credit. It, as successful as the Avengers was and is. Oh, shit. It's flipping. Where's Cap? There he is. He jumped off the car, luckily. He's going to kick this guy's ass. <laughs> So I guess it was important for Cap to have a sort of domestic battle and victory before he went overseas to show what he's fighting for. And that's what Cap's always done way better than the Iron Man and Thor movies is to show what he's fighting for. We always know. It's always general for humanity, but also very personal and very specific when it comes to Peggy and Sam Wilson and Bucky and so forth. Oh, he's going to shoot him? Boom. Throws the kid in the water. Yeah, got to save the kid. That's Cap. I can swim. Go get him. That's a Cap music right there. I'm always trying to find the Cap music. It's impossible. They, they hide it in specific scenes, specific parts of tracks. You never get the full-on Cap music. Little one man sub. Uh oh, Steve Rogers going in the water, baby. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just more satisfying Cap in the modern age because we need him even more now. Yes, we wanted to defeat Hitler, but we ultimately did without our Captain America. But in today's world, it actually feels like we need a Captain America. Oh, that was a nice little uh, cut shot there. Boom, boom, gives him in the face. I guess he had some army training, and that's where this comes from. Uh, but what I like is, in The Winter Soldier, we can tell he's been trained over the last couple of years without having to be told it. 
Hail Hydra. God, I forgot there was so much Hydra in this. Okay. Shield is starting to make way more sense, and I like the show. I watch every episode. I'm, I'm one episode behind right now, as of mid to late April. But, uh, you know, you couldn't do a first Captain America movie without the Red Skull. I totally get it. But, in a way, it would have been way cooler to not reveal the villain and towards you know, until much, much, much later in the movie and have it just be a straight-up Nazi. You know, the very first Cap cover in 1941, uh, pre-Pearl Harbor, there's the Hydra logo in red, there's Hugo Weaving, Um, was Cap punching Hitler in the face. And, uh, you know, you didn't have to have Cap punch Hitler in the face in sort of an Inglorious Bastard style, but... It almost would have been better with Hugo Weaving just being a really, really bad Nazi rogue scientist. Gentlemen. Right, and, you know, in The Mirror is, although Robert Redford's performance is much more subtle because it called for it, and, you know, it's a much different role, but it's the head of Hydra, in the modern day, he was working above the people who were supposed to be either his equals or his superiors. And we see that is the case here with Johann Schmidt, a.k.a. the Red Skull. Great power has always... What was that? <laughs> Primitive men. So, the Hydra killing all our enemies... Um never really clear what the definition of enemy is and that's part of what makes it so scary quite simply gentlemen i have harnessed the power of the gods brings it back to the mysticism oh we got the risk board boom modern technology 1943 the Fjord, bam. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, you almost have to respect that. Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, Schmidt believes the Fjord's goals more than the Fjord himself. Doesn't even care about the Fjord, just the goals. We both knew Hydra could grow no further in Hitler's shadow. Boom. This is the rogue side. Hell Hydra, the two arms up. Yeah, broke away from Hitler. We have two terrible enemies now. <laughs> yeah, there's Zola looking not too sure about the whole thing. They really restructure Zola's character for the Winter Soldier, but because it's delivered by a computer 80 years after the war, it makes, you know. So it was exactly the right guy to go to. Right, okay, so here's Peggy Carter interested in his genetic code. Turn the volume up a little bit, people. They're so great together. The best mechanical engineer in the country. What are they looking at? We're not even close to technology, says Howard Starr. What are they looking at? Here it is, Hydra Nazi Deep Science 
division, but yeah, he sees it as a religion. Uh, Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter smartly realizes it's more than that. SSR, uh-oh. Pack your bags. Uh-oh, they're going back to London. <laughs> As for an army, no, as a guy was you. You are not enough. Says Chris Evans with the 1940s haircut looking like Captain America. So I, I talked to Matt in our recent podcast leading up to Cap Civil War about what was so memorable about this movie is that they, they create this, you know, super soldier who has a great heart and is extremely good looking and charismatic and they immediately put him on the propaganda trail and they don't even put him on the front lines to fight, even though that's what he wants to do. It's a brilliant comment on both modern culture and culture then. Here's the promotion. Here he goes. Right, he has to sell bonds. It's great. They immediately sell him as a propaganda tool. They don't even consider his skills in combat. They think he's just a hotter version of the scrawny kid with a good heart. Here he goes. Yeah, Chris Evans. As I was talking about before, World War II is the only war in the last century where I'm cool with the fact they use propaganda to get people to fight needed to win that war. But everything since then has been a downhill slope of nonsense and falsity and superficiality. And look at this. So, the idea of the shield, I won't go into. It's very complicated, but, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, the the, the uh, cap suit looks goofier than in Avengers, but it actually doesn't look that much goofier. It's actually less spangly. Um, and this leaves an impression on Steve, including with the shield. And they get very excited, from my memory. Uh, when he gets to pick a real shield. And the thing is, if Steve thought this was really the most effective way to use his powers, he would do it. That's the kind of guy he is. But that's not what Erskine intended at all. Right, there's the fake Hitler. Boom, he doesn't even touch him. Yeah, he gets tired of this quickly. Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they did with 150 million in this movie, but this, this stuff right here, I was talking about newspapers, comic books, video images. All has to look up the time. And Steve's watching it, and he's actually enjoying it at first. Because. I mean, here's the thing. It's not clear that leaving for the front lines is actually um, more effective than what he's doing here. You know, he always claims to be doing things for other people, for other countries, for other organizations, for other causes. 
But ultimately in this movie, he does something that is very important for the war. But from a purely pragmatic standpoint, it's not clear that this, this you know, kind of public uh, motivational speaking he's doing right now makes a big difference. And now he's starting to realize that with these guys who have seen war. Yeah, and these people don't even want to be in the war. Bring back the girls. I already volunteered. This is awesome. They only know the one song. <laughs> you do that, sweetheart. Tinkerbell. Oh, no. Alright, we're all on the same team. <laughs> the guy moons them. Sign this. Oh, they're throwing stuff at him? Oh, man. I totally forgot about this. I thought he just came to the realization, but this is helping him come to the realization. Right, they just want the girls. And they're going to try and sleep with them if at all possible. Here it is. Red boots. Cap drawing a monkey <laughs> with an umbrella and a shield. Oh, no. Peggy Carter. She's so... That's the thing. I mean, her performance in this movie is so convincing and so compelling that it doesn't even matter the fact that she, oh, has her own show for two years that got renewed because it wasn't making money, but everyone smart thought it was great, and so they renewed it. Yep, he's speaking like a politician. She knows it. Yeah, so. Right. A labrador dancing monkey, which he's drawing. You were meant for more. She believes. She's always believed. Yeah. Right. Steve just wants to be on the front lines. And now they got him on the back lines. He's accepting it. He's got to start to question it. I'm wearing tights, which you will continue to wear in the future, but that's okay. So, you know, part of the reason I don't revisit this movie a lot is because it's an origin story, and I don't love origin stories. Although Haley Atwell is starting to make me want to revisit this more uh, rather than less. Uh, She's talking about Schmidt. But he's not really capped the Avengers. Joss Whedon got it out of him, and everyone else is benefiting from Cap in Winter Soldier was awesome, but was equally awesome in both Avengers movies, in my opinion. <laughs> Star-spangled man with a plant. <laughs> oh, James Barnes. Right, that's Bucky. I can spell. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones is perfect. I love that they got him for this early uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Oh, they said he's dead. I forgot about that. Cotton Haley Atwell looks different today. She just looks like a girl here. She's a full-on woman now. Mm-mm-mm. Sorry, people. I'll try to keep this professional. I love Haley Atwell. Chorus girl, boom. Yeah, he's going in. Mm, it's 
Steve. Haley Atwell looking over his shoulder, looking at the war. Yeah, he's going in. Peggy knows it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the perfect time to keep it to yourself. Yeah. You gotta give Tommy Lee Jones great one-liners. He knows how to deliver. Right, he doesn't believe Bucky's dead. He never believes Bucky's dead. Ugh, it's building up so perfectly. I can't believe it. The the trio of Captain America movies are by far the best of anything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Thor 1, there's a lot of things I love. Thor 2, not love. Iron Man, didn't really love any of the movies. The Cap movies with the Avengers movies. Those five, if you include Civil War, just flow together so well. You don't need to know anything else. Yep, Peggy's on board. Oh, yeah, they're on the same team. I totally forgot that. Shit. We're not even an hour. We're not even an hour in, and fucking Steve and Peggy are already doing a rogue mission together. Here it is. Oh, Howard's on the... Oh. I should be watching Agent Carter. I don't know why I don't. I just... I'm an idiot. They're great. They're great. They're great. Peggy Carter, Howard Stark. <laughs> Late night fun, no. <laughs> uh. Right. It's important that Tony's dad is also extremely adept with electronics and avionics. <laughs> He's trying to see if they're together. Oh, that's great. Chris Evans. I, I I always talk about this, but I never tire of it, which is, you know, Chris Evans seems like such a humble, sweet guy with as Captain America. I can't possibly imagine he's not that way in real life. Okay, so this is a prelude to the Winter Soldier jump at the beginning with the Lumerian star, where he, he jumps out of the plane at like a thousand feet or whatever and straight into the water. And takes down the entire ship. Boom. This looks great. This looks really good. And this looks very modern. I guess that's the idea. Is that the uh, the Hydra Nazi Rogue Science Division would look... Sort of what the the shield aesthetic looks like today, many, 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 many decades later. So, Marcus and McFeely, I think they're both named Steven, (laughs) but I'll just call them Marcus and McFeely, the writers of all three cat movies. I don't know if they wrote this one with the Winter Soldier idea in mind. I mean, the Winter Soldier... Uh, storyline started in the mid 2000s it's absolutely brilliant oh here come the uh oh fuck what are they called i love this guy he was in uh he's in star trek first contact he's a minority report i always forget his name he's a great character actor it's a howling commandos as they're called So they just throw Steve in. Why not? He's Captain fucking America. You know he's going to get through this at some point. But I don't know whether Marcus and McFeely 
had the Winter Soldier admired while this was going on. Because this whole movie is about Cap wanting to serve his country. But then he has two movies, The Winter Soldier and Civil War, about dismantling the intelligence and military apparatus of his country. You know, I mean, Captain America is the most subversive, patriotic character we've ever seen and we ever will see. There are people on the far right who I'm sure love Captain America and don't realize that he's actually quite subversive to, um, you know, out-of-control patriotism, xenophobia, anti-immigrant, you know, sentiment, thinking everyone's a terrorist and so forth. You think Cap's going after those guys? Nope, he's going after the people in power. So, the strange thing about this movie is not that it did okay at the box office, but that people actually connected with it. If you break down the origin story, it's really nothing special. Uh, but that is a testament to Chris Evans' acting ability and just, you know, being such an appealing character on screen. So, you know, they've been very careful to color code the uh, Infinity Stones. Oh, here we go, down below. You know, from a pacing standpoint, Marcus and McFeely as the writers did a great job. You know, 35, 37 minutes in that we got, you know, Captain America as we know him. We're now an hour in. He's rescuing prisoners who will be teammates of his. You know, shield throws are a big thing for uh, Captain America purists, I suppose. I don't know if there's a single shield throw in this movie. I'm glad they saved it. And the fact that Marvel would reward Marcus and McFeely, the writers, doing all three Cap movies, even while changing directors to the Russos and Winter Soldier, then are now doing um, a Civil War. But they kept the writers through the whole time. They recognized they, they got Captain America. And, you know... As I've been saying, like this aesthetic here is is exactly the Shield, uh, Agent Carter aesthetic. I think uh, directors and writers of those shows, <laughs> yeah. uh, the directors and writers of those shows, have been watching this, no doubt. Okay, so where does this go? We're we're halfway in, and all of a sudden, uh, the Red Skull, who hasn't shown his face yet, is getting worried. Okay, these are the Howling Commandos. Okay, so the black guy on the left, he's like the grandfather of a character that was in S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while before he got killed, who wanted to fight with Kulsa because his dad was in the, or his granddad was in the Howling Commandos. Can't remember his name. He's a good character. Yeah, the yellow television screens. Nope. I ain't seen Captain America. 
is Johann Schmitz. I mean, you could just put Hugo Weaving in any role, especially bad guy roles. He just owns that. I actually think his Elrond is highly underrated. Um, not just as a character, but his chemistry with Liv Tyler as Arwen, his daughter, who is in love with Aragorn, the man, the future king, King Elisar. His, uh, you know, very paternal and loving um, relationship with and just attitude towards Arwen really held together some of the bigger sort of cosmological storylines going on in the second and third movie. You know, that he would lie to her, that there was no hope just to get her off the shores before a potential defeat until she realized that there was hope that the good guys could win. Nope, there's Cap. Oh, is that, is that Zola? Does he, does he see, yeah, does he see a Zola this early on? Yeah, I, I really think Thor is way better than this as, as the first movie. In fact, oh, there's Bucky. I forgot, had he been experimenting on already? I thought that happened later. Oh, oh, that's right. So they experiment on him here to increase his healing power, and then later, when he falls off the train or whatever, he survives because of this. Yeah, it's all very complicated. But if you're trying to get into the Marvel Universe, you watch the Cap movies and the Avengers movies, you're in good shape. Thor is very colorful. Great sci-fi fantastical setting. You know, Robert Downey Jr. is hilarious in the Iron Man movies, but... This is the main thread of Marvel, which I've been arguing. <laughs> it is not so, uh, you know, not so revolutionary now that I watch this. It's obvious that everything goes through Cap. Boom. What are they blowing up here? Yeah, there's bombs going off left and right. I'm not really sure what. He's got the shield, so... Right, so he saves Bucky, he's been experimented on. I don't think Cap ever knows Bucky's been experimented on until he sees the Winter Soldier 90 years later. <laughs> oh, I'm a great fan of your films. Oh, they see each other. Right, he knows Dr. Erskine because he's German, or Austrian. Huh? Boom, punches him in the face. You've got no idea. Sorry, I'm just watching this. Uh, ooh, punches through the shield. Boom, hits Cap. Gun goes down. He kicks him. Well, it's a little uh, Matrix. Okay, so Zola pulls him back. He obviously has the advantage on Captain America. I was his greatest success. Oh, right, Erskine was involved with the Red Skull. Here we go. Oh, he's pulling off his face. Is this going to look good? I don't know. Yeah, that looks really good. <laughs> he actually looks pretty civilized and, uh, and normal for being totally red. Yeah. 
Yeah, Agent Smith is way scarier than this guy. How come you're running? What do they have in their bag? Yeah, again, this is what I was saying before. You don't need the Red Skull, and you don't need them to meet this early on. You know, it can just be a really smart Nazi late, but they decided not to go that direction. Felt they owed it to the comics. It might have cost them a little money, but in the long run, it built up an audience. Not a scratch. Yeah, I mean, when Thor overreached with the CGI stuff, you know, it looks a little two and a half dimensional, but it, it it still looked epic. This movie's pulpiness, I, I, it's hard to tell at, at, at times whether it's intentional or not. Here we go. Bucky and Cap... One at a time. God, Sebastian Sands good. <sighs> and no wonder they signed him to a nine uh, movie uh, uh, contract. He's going to be in the Marvel Universe for many, many years to come. He might be Captain America. He might be something else, but he's going to be around. Boom. You know, this might be weird to say. Because the pond that is superhero movies seems so huge, but at the same time, Sebastian Stan, here as uh, Bucky Barnes, is a big fish in a small, relatively small pond. Oh, Sam, oh shit. Oh, Captain America jumping in the fire. <laughs> Meaning, Sebastian Stan would be a great actor in any context, but he said, fuck it, I'm going to be one of the best actors ever in a comic movie franchise and just ride it out with Marvel. And God bless him for it. I cannot wait. Killed in action, period. Boom. K.I.A. So why is Haley Atwell still here? I thought she was sent back to England. I can't touch Stark. He's a rich number one contractor. Yeah. <laughs> More sexism. That's what makes us great. Haley Atwell stares down every bit of male chauvinism in this entire movie. I had faith. Boom. Yeah. You can shut it down. Oh, is Steve back? This is probably where she falls in love with him. That's the case. Look at her, just walking among the guys. That's so hard to do, especially in a period piece where women were so. Oh, here's Cap with the Howling Avengers. Oh, this is great. Yes. Oh, uh, baby. Oh, shit. And he saved a whole bunch of people, including, I think, Haley Atwell, uh, Peggy Carter's future husband. I don't know if this was the uh, the raid where he saved a thousand people. Yeah, they're all following Cap. It's great to say. 
That's what you, that's the thing. You did not have to make Cap a war hero, take an entire movie to talk about it, but <laughs> it certainly helps with his credibility. I'm still got the helmet on. Come on. Let's see the Steve Rogers hair. Take that shit off. Here comes Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Salute. <laughs> Surrender myself for disciplinary action. Yeah. Even Tommy Lee Jones has to admit, this is pretty impressive. <laughs> Faith, exactly. Yeah. Oh, God. It's hard to recognize Haley Atwell. Look at her. You're late. So I said in my recent podcast with Matt that I, I bought their attraction. I definitely bought that Steve would be in love with her. I didn't completely buy that she would be in love with him. And so we will put that to the test. Right now she's giving a look like she's in love with him. So right now Matt won. Bizzle zero. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of hero worship going on. Yeah. Yep, there's a guy from Minority Report. (laughs) My personal friend, Captain America. Is that Chris Cooper? Does he just not show up? That's not Chris Cooper. He's not showing up. He's got more important stuff. No, there's Stan Lee. I thought he'd be taller. Ooh, we're in England. This is great. Yeah. He almost cares about this more because of Peggy. That's the thing, uh, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Americans, we Americans provide the muscle, but the British have the intelligence, no doubt. You know, I mean, there's a whole movie about the imitation game about Alan Turing cracking the Nazi codes in England. What Chris Evans does so well is even though he's so great looking and probably has been his entire life and has been cut his entire life, he always plays it, even many years later. Like, he's still that awkward little boy, not really, you know, sure what his big muscular body is doing. It's very subtle, but, you know, I I think underrated. Okay, here are the Howling Commandos. Right, you still got an Asian guy, you got a black guy. We're in. This guy's great. Corny actor, but uh, always plays the character great. Open the tab. Yeah, yeah, Steve's never totally comfortable in his skin. It informs his character in all the movies. It's great. And that's what Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter is has probably already, but will definitely start to find irresistible about. Captain Rogers is a gorgeous-looking guy who's incredibly humble and incredibly just uncomfortable in his own skin because it's not his. Here's Bucky. Bucky's getting drunk. He's looking a little haggard.
I forgot that Bucky was experimented on so early. Woo! <laughs> Agent Carter. Oh, man. The red dress. <laughs> Goddamn. I'm trying to concentrate on the scene, but I'm with these guys right now. Your top squad is prepping for duty. Oh, right. I, I do like music, exactly. Good dancing. Right. This is the soft side of Peggy Carter. Oh, makes you love her. The right partner. That's all she says in that red dress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's ignoring Bucky. He's not used to this with, with Steve. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I thought the line with uh, uh with Haley Atwell was, "Oh shit." I thought the line was, "I like to dance," but she said, "I like music." <laughs> Yeah, I, man, I forgot how much Stark was was in this movie. Yeah, I mean, Agents of Shield, the first half season was a direct uh response and sequel to this. And then mid-season 1 of Shield, Winter Soldier happened with Hydra and then they flipped everything to Hydra and that's what they've been doing the whole time. It's all it's all directly from Cap Oh, this chick. Uh, she is in Game of Thrones, I believe, if I don't miss see her. She's, uh, I believe, Margaret slash Mar Margie or, or Maggie. I can't remember. Married to... Oh, yeah, that's definitely her. Yeah, she's uh, a seductress. I forgot about this, right? Yeah, a random chick just loves Captain America. Oh, and Peggy sees it. Gets jealous. Look at the way they shoot in on her slowly. Uh, I mean, with with the angles they use with the film and the yeah, you know, and the filter, it, it uh cushions the cheesiness a little bit, but it's pretty straight ahead the way they shoot this movie. The fondue thing. Not a successful joke. You don't know a bloody thing about women. <laughs> uh. Here's Stark. Howard Stark, father of Tony. The ages line up almost perfectly. Robert Downey Jr. is about 50, so that would make total sense that this his dad had him in his 30s. Oh, is this the shield? Yes. Here's the shield options. Yeah, Howard Stark realizes he's good with the shield. Vibranium, there it is. Black Panther. In 2011, we gotta wait till 2018, but it's Black Panther. Vibration absorbent. Oh, man. <sighs> right, rare smile on earth. That's the entirety of what they got. Yep. Unfinished business. 
Oh, he's trying to impress Peggy. <laughs> I think it works. God, Haley Owl is such badass. Oh, it's great. Look how beautiful she is. Yeah, uh, to, for her to be jealous after being condescending to Mini Cap, now that he's beautiful, chiseled Cap, you know, whatever. That, that's Hollywood. He's got the guns. Oh, Cap has a gun. Oh, there's the shield. Yeah, baby. Boom. I forgot that he used guns in this movie. He He, he never uses one after this. Yeah, the, the film angles in the slow-mo uh, really accentuate some of the coolness that you wouldn't think they'd be able to t uh, take on in this movie. The Red Skull looking not good. Yeah, Hugo Weaving I love, but him plus that makeup just does not look good. Whatever. Right, the foggy woods. You can easily make a set about. Oh, there's a shield throw. Boom! Ooh, we caught it. Yeah, maybe we are meant to think he's got the magnet on the arm the whole time. We aren't really told it explicitly until Avengers. So <laughs> they're just letting Cap do his job. <laughs> uh oh. No, they're letting that guy do his job. <laughs> yeah. Right, hear the howling, the howling, uh, commandos. Oh, he's got the locket with Peggy. She sees it. Tommy Lee Jones looks at her. He's got the Peggy lock. Yeah, he keeps that forever. He gets that into the ice with him. Thank God. Boom. Sniper. Oh, I forgot that they established. Oh, I forgot that they established Bucky as a sniper in, in the first movie. Look at the shield throw there. Yeah, they saved all their money for this montage. This thing cost millions and millions of dollars. Everything in this montage, let me tell you people, millions of dollars. Look at this. This looks like a Zack Snyder film right here. Boom, cap jumping off. This is so expensive. This looks like Askelioth in Lord of the Rings, which is fitting because we got Hugo Weaving here in terrible makeup. Yeah, I was not interested in the Avengers much growing up. I loved Iron Man. Red Skull certainly held no interest to me. But you can at least get some depth with the Red Skull in the comics over many years if you care. Um, it gives some depth here. He's just, you know, a psychotic Nazi bad guy. I totally forgot that Bucky was screwed with this entire time and he's just not saying it and Steve's not realizing it. He's already been severely experimented on and he's already... A fucking sniper. <laughs> Who takes out Fury from a thousand yards with three untraceable Russian unrifled slugs. Which, if you've ever shot a gun, like 50 feet, is extremely difficult. So imagine hundreds and hundreds of yards. 
with an unrifled weapon, which means there's no curvature in the barrel to help keep it straight. So you have to be more than perfect. Okay, this looks terrible. <laughs> oh, wow. The train thing. Yeah, that did not look good. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the thing. The Winter Soldier made twice what this made, almost. And it deserved to. It was twice as good. Oh my god, the green screen. This is funny. This is really funny. But once they get to the interiors, it gets a lot more interesting, obviously. Or the set exteriors. Here's Bucky. I forgot how much they fought together. This is great. I so cannot wait for Civil War. Uh-oh. I'm not sure what's going on here. What is happening? Okay, we got some super super soldiers fighting the super soldiers. Whoa. Yeah, this looks like network television. It's amazing. Bam. Can't do a shot like that, though. Little things. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting. The fact that the Whedon brothers kind of started Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Joss with his brother Jed, and Jed's really running it at this point. Joss isn't really involved. But in terms of the aesthetic, it has much more to do with this movie than it does with the Avengers. I think that's purposeful. You know, you can sort of have a period piece, not in a period. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> uh, but, you know, Inches of Shield feels like a '50s, '60s spy, you know, shot without being set in that time. And I'm totally down for that. There's another shield throw. Oh no! Is this where Bucky dies? Does he die this early? We still got like 30 plus minutes left. No! Oh, oh shit! Oh, it looks horrible, the green screen, but it's so sad. Bucky drops, but he's been experimented on, and he lives as the Winter Soldier. Oh, man. I guess you needed that. I forgot, actually, how little Bucky there was in this movie. I thought there was a lot of them hanging out as kids, but you don't really see it. And that's why they hate to do that, that short but very effective um, flashback film in... The Winter Soldier with Bucky after the funeral and, you know, him standing at the dam and Sam Wilson saying, you know, I know this is your boy, but you got to take him out. And, and Cap saying, no, he'll recognize me. There's really not that much in this movie. It just goes to show the, how they sell it with performance. And you would never think it, but it's possible with Civil War that Sebastian Stan will actually have more screen time than in the original movie, where he's one of the three main characters with Cap and Haley Atwell. Here comes the, uh, the, uh, good cop performance. Cow. <laughs> Yeah, giving him a good stick. Trying to get information. So I don't eat meat. 
It disagrees with me. <laughs> Sign that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they could have done a lot more with the first movie. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, I, I've been enjoying everything up until this point and continue to. He's eating the steak to prove that it's not poison because he's probably hungry and, you know, a good steak. If you eat meat, I mean, come on, but... Other than Zola, none of these characters carry forward. Uh oh, Switzerland. <laughs> Eternally neutral, supposedly. <laughs> so, this is where the US government, which part of it merges into S.H.I.E.L.D., starts recruiting German scientists because of their brilliance, not realizing the ideology that is latent within them, regardless of what they say, and that is what leads to Hydra infecting S.H.I.E.L.D. Schmidt believes he walks in the footsteps of the gods. Only the world itself will satisfy him. The sanity of the plan is of no consequence. Because he can do it. Oh, here's the right. Trying to get information. What's the target? Yeah. World destruction slash domination. So, from a long-term standpoint, you know, the reason to do a World War II movie is to inform the ethics and morality of Captain America in the modern world. And, uh... Therefore, some of this feels perfunctory, like like the villain speech here. And as I mentioned, my podcast with Mandy G, aka Goose, about Captain America: Civil War. I'm hoping, and I think will be the case, is that Captain America will realize that things were not black and white even during World War II. That there was some gray. There's always been gray, and there always will be gray. Um, it, it seems obvious to the rest of us, but to Steve, he's held to the good versus evil, um, you know, kind of motif to his life. Got Hail Hydra with the Red Skull. Is this Peggy Carter? Yeah. London's bombed out. It's amazing. I, I, it's it's hard to believe England didn't fall. Ger- Germany just bombed England to oblivion during uh, the early h- half of World War II. Here's Steve. You know, but with our help, with the Americans and the English, we were able to repel them. Oh, Steve's drinking. Right, so here he's... Describing his powers, regeneration, healing, which means I can't get drunk. (laughs) Alright, he's four times the average person metabolism. You know, there's much more description of, like, powers and comparative powers in this movie than there is in Thor. But because of the way it's presented, it doesn't feel that way. 
Bucky. Right, stop blaming yourself. He'll never stop blaming himself. He didn't stop blaming himself in Winter Soldier, and he won't stop blaming himself in Civil War until Bucky is cleared. Not going to stop until all of Hydra is dead or captured. You don't hear Cap talk like that much. You won't be alone, says Peggy. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I I said with Matt that, you know, I buy his attraction to her. I buy her attraction to him. But in terms of falling in love, it, it's a lot more complicated. How much time we got? Five hundred feet below the surface in the Alps. Here at the Howling Commandos. They've already accepted them as the elitist force. <laughs> the elitist of the elite forces. That's exactly what we're going to do. Oh, cap the motorcycle. Oh, it's so great. Look how horrible this great screen is. <laughs> you know, but you see it in Ultron where he flips the motorcycle and kills a whole bunch of uh, Hydra bad guys. It's great. Yep, here are the commandos. Oh, no, they're coming after him. These are the bad guys. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it doesn't matter that there's some cheesiness in the first cat movie. Because starting in Avengers and continuing, you know, even way more significantly in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, everything has looked so pristine and so badass. Yeah, this is almost quaint, you know. It's like watching Return of the Jedi. It's a joy. Even if you can see where the cuts are. Boom. Cap kills people in this movie. Actually, Cap kills people in both Cap movies. It'll be interesting to see if he does in, in Civil War. Uh, the Avengers, you can't kill civilians or anybody, really, no matter what. Boom. But for the most part, this action scene looks amazing, which you had to do even with a $140 million budget in uh, 2011. We got shield throws. He's already mastered it. Looking back on it now, it's really impressive. I always talk about how the shield throws evolve, but you know the color here is just really appealing. Um, it feels like World War II. There's a filter. I think it's a blue filter. Yeah, definitely a blue filter. Uh and even the CGI shield just looks so appealing within it. Uh-oh, got a flamethrower. And, uh, you know, the cat motorcycle stuff that we saw before is definitely echoed in uh, the beginning of Avengers Age of Ultron. It's hard to top that, you know, throwing the shield while on the bike. It's fully CGI. It's amazing how much technology can jump when you go f uh, four years forward and $100 million up. Here's Red Skull with the terrible makeup. I like that they went practical. Um, you know... <laughs> When you're doing a lot of these kinds of fights and you know you're going to have CGI bad guys, you want them to have not only caps but glasses on. These just look really absurd. You know, with the Hydra fighters in uh, the beginning of Age of Ultron when they're assaulting um, Van Strucker's base, they don't even try to <laughs> show the faces of the bad guy. You know, it's the Avengers. You can't have gratuitous killing, even of bad guys. What made you so special? That's the question.
That's the Steve Rogers uh, mischievous grin right there for the first time. Nothing. Boom. I can turn the volume up. I really don't remember what happens, other than the very end where he crashes into the ice. Yeah. I have to say, Kevin Bacon <laughs> as a Nazi scientist in uh, X-Men First Class is more compelling than than the Red Skull. Of course, X-Men is, is far more tied up. Here are the Howling Commandos with the machine guns. Oh yeah, full-on assault at the base, baby. Okay, here we go. Some good camera movement here. Very Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I'll have to look at the production design. I have to think they took some of the production design team from this movie for uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., even though it didn't start airing until, I don't know, two and a half, three years after this. Oh, God. You only have to show Haley Atwell for two seconds. Man, is she stunning. And again, Age of Ultron was the taking down, the final taking down of Hydra, and they had advanced weapons just like this. It's all mirrored. You know, there's a direct line from here to Ultron, and I think what Civil War has going for it before it was even made was that they had two cat movies and two Avengers movies worth of content and character building to build on um, and start from. This actually looks really good. It looks more convincing than the Thor cosmic stuff. Um, but, uh, but Civil War is seeming to end a chapter, but it's really beginning a new chapter. That's what I don't think reviewers or fans are going to realize till after they've seen it and been able to digest it. Is There's a reason Civil War is the first film of the third phase of Marvel, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe of the MCU, Phase 3. It's not just because it's their best and most, you know, kind of obviously successful property that they feel good about they're going to make a billion plus on but that it's launching black panther it's launching spider-man oh man peggy carter oh yeah yeah maddie g got mad about you know batman taking out the flamethrower guy in batman v superman um um, here's the moment we're trying to save martha kent uh but Haley Atwell just did the same exact thing. <laughs> oh, is this the jet? Is this how Cap gets on the plane? Yeah. Yeah, they saved their money for the big action action sequences. I think that was a smart call. So the Red Skull is now taking off. Does he think he's lost? Oh, this is the stealth jet. Doesn't Cap take this over? This will be interesting. He's going to head right for New York City. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's like the defenders of this movie and of Red Skull in general that I've heard online, he said, oh, he's so evil. It's great to have just a purely you know, evil bad guy, blah, blah, blah. I think Ronin is way more interesting. I mean, if you want to go for a one-dimensional baddie, um, this is a great final scene, and, and we do see a little bit of the super strength. Oh, there he goes on the wire, or the chain. Yes, Cap. I don't know why they don't use the Cap action uh, hero running music more. I guess they use it once a movie, and it's so effective when they do. We saw it in the in the chase much earlier on in this movie. Um, I, I wish I had a name to put to it, but I have all the soundtracks. Oh, man. Look at the way they sped up in that car from the 40s. Boom. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones taking names. Oh, this is great. Hell yeah, well. It, yeah. If the whole movie looked like this, I think they would have made more than $350 million. 
though, this is such a cool stylized look. They should have just gone for it completely. Yeah, I think that's a precursor to Coulson's, uh, what does he call it? Uh, uh, Agent slash director Coulson on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, they kiss. Oh, they kiss. I totally forgot that they kiss. Go get them. Boom. Yeah. I'm not kissing you. <laughs> Go get them. <laughs> That's like um, when they think Kirk is dead. Okay, so Star Trek Into Darkness, although I love the first Star Trek reboot, Into Darkness is not a particularly strong effort. But the stuff with Spock and uh, Ahura with Zoe Saldana and uh, and uh, Zachary Quinto is almost worth the price of admission. And when you add Benedict Cumberbatch as the bad guy, you know, you can get through it. But the very end, they think Kirk's dead in the reversal of Wrath of Khan, where Spock sacrifices his, himself for Kirk. Uh, in this version, Kirk sacrifices for Spock because of Khan. And, you know, Khan's about to tear hell through San Francisco because they're always coming back to Earth. They got to take out Starfleet in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, and Zachary Quinto and Fox run into the, the transporter and, and Zoe's right behind them and he's about to beam up. And I think she just goes, go get him, gives him a kiss. Boom, he jumps on, takes on Khan. That's awesome. Can't wait for a Star Trek this summer, but that's for another podcast in New York. He figures it out. Yeah. It's a kamikaze missile plane thing bound for New York. Oh, or is this how he tracks him? Because this is somehow calibrated. Yeah, I mean, the template was definitely here for Winter Soldier. Uh, You know, the Russos wouldn't deny it. Um, This is a great first effort, considering what they had to try and build in this movie. They had to build up Captain America's entire origin story. They had to introduce Hydra. They had to introduce the cosmic stuff. They had to introduce Thor and Iron Man indirectly. Thor, and they talk about the cube. Yeah, that was very CGI, but smooth. A camera movement. Here goes the bomb. Uh-oh, Cap's going inside. Oh, no. Um, so they sold Thor in this movie, and they sold Iron Man through Howard Stark in, in other ways. Everything runs through Cap, and that's as it should be. And Chris Evans knows it. He knows he's the luckiest man alive because he gets to play the coolest comic book character ever in terms of on screen and have the entire marvel cinematic universe including properties like spider-man and black panther run through him it's unbelievable wow this looks this looks really good again oh man oh oh my god they completely just chopped that guy's body up with blood everywhere with the with the giant rotor (laughs) yeah they probably spent of the 140 million budget, that's what's reported, and that doesn't include marketing. Uh, they probably spent at least 20 to 30 on this final sequence, possibly more. It's hard to divvy up because you know you're not just paying for what's in the scene; you're paying for the entire movie production. So you can't always say this scene cost this, this scene cost that. But they were saving their shekels for this one. The giant, you know, proto stealth plane here looks amazing. He's flying straight for it in a much smaller plane. Boom. Yep, the Russos showed a lot of love in some of their camera angles to this movie, even though they didn't make it. Joe Johnson made it. Did a great job. Here's Cap. Here it is. He's taking out the Red Skull and then sacrifices life. There's the shield. That might be the coolest just single shot of the shield ever in terms of the, the, the way the light reflected off of it and just the way it was framed.
Boom. You don't give up, do you? Nope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I'm surprised it hasn't become a hashtag or the cap because I always use it, which is let's get this done. He definitely says that, you know, in Ultron. I think he says that in the first Avengers. He says something like it in Winter Soldier. It's always let's get this done. That's it. That's all he cares about. He's all about results. And so my big prediction, actually, with Cap Civil War has nothing to do with superpowers or superheroes or anything like that. It's thematic, and it's that while we see Cap as an, an idealistic and moral you know, um, paragon of virtue, which he is, in addition to his ass-kicking skills here, up, headed back down to Earth, is that he, I think in Civil War, will end up being the truly practical one. We thought Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man, played by Robert Daddy Jr., we've thought of him as the practical one, as a pragmatic one, you know, who, you know, believes in his own money and his domination of capitalism for the good of all, can create something like Ultron to protect all people without thinking through the human flaws behind it. Tony's really the idealistic one. And Cap is going to say, you know what? Everything I believe in on paper suggests that I should go along with this uh, Superhero Registration Act, but my instinct says this is a mistake and it's going to end up you know, killing lots and lots of people if we go through with it. Boom, there's the cube. Yeah, they obviously got the, the blue filter. There's the Tesseract. Yeah, I always imagine the Tesseract, even though I know it's a cube, but because in the Avengers, we see it kind of in a housing and sort of like a crate. To see it in its pure form here is, uh, there's some space porn. <laughs> I love space porn. Uh, right, and this is how Cap knows about the cosmic side. That's the thing. You don't even have to see the Iron Man 1 or 2 or Thor 1 before Avengers. To really understand thematically and character-wise, or even cosmology-wise, what's going on. Oh, they beam the Red Skull off, right, which allows him to maybe come back later. I don't think anyone wants it. He's not one of the more popular villains. But that clearly beamed him, like, at the Bifrost uh, on Asgard somewhere else. The cube drops out. And they find it later. Right. Oh, that's what they say in Avengers. They say, you know, I think Sammy J says, we, we found the cube looking for you, essentially. Um, and so he has to decide. This thing's on autopilot. I don't know why he can't, he can't just land it. Oh, my God. Hell yeah, well. Peggy Schmidt's dead. What about the plane? A little bit tougher to explain. Right, she's already trying to save him. Yep, no safe landing. I can force it down. Right, Howard. No time for Howard. It's time for New York. Had to be New York for so many reasons. Yeah. The fact that Cap's from Brooklyn, it's important. Yeah, he may seem just like a straight-ahead patriot, but he's a liberal guy socially, no doubt. He's an equal opportunity uh, employer, friend, and individual. Oh no, Peggy, this is my choice. Oh, hell yeah, well, 
I mean, she's the co-lead in this movie, like Scarlet in The Winter Soldier. There it is. Luckily, he's able to hold on to that. Thank God. He's able to keep the, the locket with Peggy. It's so important for him once he comes out of the ice. He's just going to crash, crash it wherever he can. That's how much of a hero this guy is. I can't remember what the payload was. Uh, there's certainly 9-11 connotations. Um, I'm sure the Nazis would have crashed a giant plane with explosives if they could have into New York, for sure. I guess that's what this is supposed to communicate. It's a beautiful thing that... that I almost want to call it a ship. It looks like a spaceship. All right. Oh, this is the dance. A week next Saturday at the store club. You got it. He, he, Mm. Don't you dare be like, oh god, they're, they're breaking my heart. Hell yeah, well, I still don't know how to dance. <laughs> I'll show you how. Just be there. She's so stunning. <laughs> the band plays something slow. Yeah, he talks about Owen is, yeah. Oh, and his, his old girl dance in, in The Winter Soldier when she's much older and dying, and he's visiting her in the VA hospital. Yeah, I actually, I you know what? Even though The Winter Soldier is a way better movie, Hilly Atwell actually has to do a lot more emotionally and otherwise in this movie than Scarlet in Winter Soldier. Scarlet kicks tons of ass, and she's very cute and funny with Steve, but Hilly Atwell, uh, you know has to carry large chunks of this movie on her shoulder, even though it's a Cap movie. And she'll always be identified with Cap and with Steve and the fans love her. Whether you watch Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Agent Carter or have seen her in the flashbacks and the Avengers movies, she's different ages, different shows, different times. Like I said, one of the leaders of Team Marvel, probably the female lead, just in terms of being the first and still the best of the female co-leads. Um is Haley Atwell. There's the plane sinking into the ice. Yep, this must be the end of the war. Here's London. Planes flying over. Everyone's flying the flag. Yeah, V-Day. I I always forget if they stop the the Germans or the Japanese uh, first. I think the Germans were stopped first. I think it wasn't until 45 that the... Japanese got taken down. Oh, here's the cube. Oh, they find it this early? I don't remember that. Or does he say, let it stay buried? I thought they didn't find it till. No trace of wreckage. Yep, Howard Stark decides to leave it in the water. And then S.H.I.E.L.D. much later with Samuel Jackson decides to to dig it up. You know, Tony Stark is partially resentful towards uh towards Cat because you know, Howard was a major part of his creation and a friend and an associate and a colleague and raved about him and you know, Tony grew up on stories of Captain America, but Tony being Tony got jealous about it instead of taking the inspirational message out. And him and uh you know, Steve and Tony have become the greatest on-screen, you know, like multi-part movie series frenemies ever. You know, we've had a dozen movies over two phases building up to Captain America: Civil War, where those two guys go against each other. Here we have kids post-war. We're running around with the cap shield. Oh man! 
Oh, do we not see it? They cut to black. There's wind. Okay. Oh. Oh. They wake him up. He's listening to baseball, so you don't know what year it is. It's great. It's the Dodgers. Could be any time. Oh, that's what's great about baseball. Here it is. Yeah, they had to do this. They had to do more than tease that. They had. Oh, the Phillies. It's the Phillies versus the Dodgers. Oh, this is great. Captain America's waking up. Feels like he just, uh, you know, is recovered from his, his crash. Here's the names of the players. Doesn't recognize them. Pete leans in. Here's the pitch. Oh, Rizzo. Oh, Rizzo is old school. Oh, it's old school radio. Okay, now I'm confused. He thinks he's come back to the same life. Who's this? Hello. <laughs> Where am I? Recovery room in New York City. <sighs> Sorry, people. I don't know what's going on. He doesn't know either. This is great. This feels like the first time. The game. Right, May 1941. I know, because I was there. Oh, this is just a weird dream. Oh, this is so cool. I love they did this in the movie. Uh-oh. Boom. Oh, yeah, the security. Oh, is it shield? Oh, man, that's great. Code 13, Agent 13. It's not a coincidence. Oh, Emily Van Camp, I cannot wait. I shared Carter. I totally forgot the full modern day reveal. Oh, and they were even filming it differently. And they got the filter off, uh, you know. Just full 360 in New York. This looks like it could be from the beginning of the Winter Soldier. That's the thing. I mean, you you had the Captain America movies and the Avengers movies. It feels straight from the comic books. There's Nick Fury, speaking of the comic books. He set it up with Iron Man and Iron Man 2, and he knocked it forward even more in Thor and then Cap 1. And this is the most important one. Thought it best to break it to you slowly. Yeah. God. You've been asleep, Cap. 70 years. Jesus Christ. This is so great. God, I cannot wait for some more. Oh. Look at Samuel L. Jackson acting his ass off with one eye. He's so... Oh, God. This is it. This scene right here, the very end that you thought the movie was over. This is it. What's I had a date. Those two guys talking in Times Square in the modern day. That's it. That's the whole thing. Uh, Marvel always does creative stuff with the credits. It's cool every time. You got the wax statue figures in Age of Ultron. You've got the the red and um and black. You know, like uh, communist World War II thing, like we see here for a second. Uh, from the Winter Soldier comics and the Winter Soldier movie credits. This is all you know. Great propaganda art from World War II. Have Stan Lee and Fine and all the all the great creators of this thing. So you know, I <laughs> this is a classic case of a movie whose you know small corny parts 
are so so overwhelmed by the great central cast, specifically Chris Evans, but most especially Haley Atwell, who owns this movie. It almost must have been intimidating for Chris Evans, who did have a lot of experience, but wasn't considered a great actor until he took on the Captain America role, I think. Um, Although he's been in some cool other films since as well, uh, like like Snow uh, Piercer. Um, There it is, Chris Evans. But, yeah, Haley Howell stole the movie with the time that she had. Bucky, incredibly charismatic. And the fact that I remembered him being in so much more of the movie than was actually the case, <laughs> Haley Howell with the muscles, um, just shows you know, how much of an impression Sebastian Stan right there leaves. Um, I guess it's who's Dominic Cooper. I don't know who that is. This is great artwork. Okay, so Toby Jones plays Zola who in his computerized form will come back in the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I mean, this sets up everything. And what's crazy is, even before rewatching it, after having not seen it for a couple of years, for the first time, this is my second. Oh yeah, Stanley Tucci, fantastic. As, uh, as Erskine. You know, I knew it set up just like the general Avengers universe, but the extent to which it informed heavily the aesthetic and themes of both agents of shield and agent carter um i didn't totally remember there it is captain america the first avenger goddamn okay so there's some teasers so so i'm gonna stay on the mic for this one i usually call out oh okay so here are the credits all right so there's an end teaser and so i'm gonna jump to that right now Okay, so if you fast forward to about two hours, two minutes, and 50 seconds, we're going to see the end credits uh, teaser, and I'm going to talk about it right now. Yep, he's boxing, which is exactly where we find him in the beginning with this shot right here in the Avengers, and that's why I think Joss Whedon, yeah, Joss Whedon definitely shot this, this whole thing here in the end credits was in the Avengers, and they just put this at the end of the Cap 1 and kept it in the Avengers. God, this is brilliant that they did this. Trying to get me back in the world, I love this. Trying to save it, yeah. Nick Fury, always practical, boom. Uh-oh, ooh, they give the full Avengers tease. They must, oh, Loki, next summer? Holy shit. Oh, they did like a mini trailer at the end of Cap 1. That was brilliant. It's brilliant. Even though the Avengers made like four or five times the money that this movie made, you know, th- this is where they're showing it. This is cooler than any trailer I've seen online either. Oh, there's Thor. <laughs> You're up. <laughs> brilliant. Marvel Studios at Disney. Goddamn. Nothing but love. Got a mean swing. <laughs> I think that was in the original movie. They put a trailer at the end of the movie. That is so brilliant. And they haven't even done it again. They could easily go back to that well. Marvel just kind of, you know, keeps finding new and creative ways to be awesome. And they're going to be awesome in Civil War. I hope you enjoyed this. I'm going to have the Avengers commentary coming out with Maddie G, a.k.a. Goose. And uh, I'm going to uh, release, uh, re-release my Winter Soldier commentary Uh leading up directly to Civil War, which should be the best comic book movie ever. At least the most pure, uh, you know, pure uh, comic book movie. We shall say it'll be great to see all those people together in Marvel's latest effort. Cap, let's get it done. Bizzle is out. <laughs>